0: Today is July 26, 2021. In our first story, the former physician to the president at the White House has called on Joe Biden to take a cognitive test, saying he's predicting Joe Biden will resign or be forced out of office due to a failing mental state. In our next story, France's Senate has approved prison terms for those who cannot prove their vaccination status if they enjoy public accommodations. And in our last story, Big Tech is now working with leftist organizations to purge the far right from the internet and financial services. Before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like this show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. News reports have emerged about fuel shortages in the Western U.S. at airports, resulting in flights being canceled or delayed. Now, we book a lot of people for the Timcast IRL podcast, which is Monday through Friday at nights, and we've experienced some weird situations with booking flights that leads me to believe it may not just be the Western United States. But outside of these anecdotes, I don't really have any evidence to suggest it's worse in other places, but it's certainly bad enough that news outlets have noticed. We're seeing shortages across the board napkins, apparently, and certain food items. There's a trucker shortage. And without truckers, you can't transport fuel. So now gas stations are running low. And that may be why many of these airports don't have fuel either. There's also generally a labor shortage. Things aren't going so smoothly with our economy and people have started to take notice. And of course, people blame the president, the highest level. Now, not just the president. I'm sure people will point to many other issues which may negatively impact what's happening. But Joe Biden's approval rating has dropped. According to civics, his approval rating is now four points below his disapproval. So more people disapprove of Joe Biden than approve of him. The scary thing about it is that it's right along partisan lines, like nothing is changing the Democrats view of Joe Biden. And it could probably be because the media shields the man right now we have a decently big story, in my opinion. A former doctor for the White House, for President Obama, says that Biden needs a cognitive exam now. The president has completely lost it. This is a national security issue at this point. In fact, he goes on to say that Biden will have to resign or will be removed by force with the use of the 25th Amendment. In fact, we saw President Harris trending on Twitter As Jack Posobiec noted, more people think that she will, many people think she will actually actually be president. And for all of the problems of Kamala Harris, let's just be real. I mean, she can be a really awful person for a lot of reasons, but at least she's functioning cognitively. Joe Biden has experienced a massive series of gaffes over the past few months, and it's not just your normal gaffe. There is a quote from the man that even Snopes confirmed, and he muttered it over about 30 seconds to a minute on TV, and it is meaningless, gibberish, garbled nonsense. The man goes on TV and can't speak a sentence, not the first time. He previously confused Libya and Syria. Now, that's serious, guys. If, if he's speaking in private and he says the wrong country, it can have serious consequences. Now, perhaps there will be advisors and cabinet members there to save the day. But you know what? I got to agree with Ronnie Jackson that Joe Biden is not with it. Most of you know this, and it's only getting worse to the point where he is now saying the man needs to resign or be removed. Now, there's important context here. Ronnie Jackson is a Republican though he was a doctor to Obama. He also points out that the Democrats demanded Donald Trump take a cognitive test. So why not Joe Biden? And that's a great point. Joe Biden immediately should take a cognitive abilities test. I'm worried he wouldn't pass. And, and maybe that's, it doesn't matter if you are if, if you're worried or not. Maybe he just needs to do it. We need to get it over with and say, here's what we all expected. The 25th Amendment comes into play. Kamala Harris becomes president. We're not going to be super excited about President Harris, but let's be real, guys. As much as you might really, really dislike Biden or Harris, I mean, you recognize Harris is still better because her brain works. I don't think she's a good person. I think she's corrupt. I think she will absolutely manipulate the powers of the office for personal gain, but at least she'll have self-preservation in mind. I don't know what else to say in that regard. I don't like either of them, but what do you do? Do you take the guy who's crooked and corrupt with a broken brain or the crooked and corrupt with a working brain? It's actually a hard call. I'm worried about the United States and being able to defend itself and protect our allies. So even if they're corrupt, I think they still might, with a working brain, do something that could protect us. Man, I certainly don't have the answers on this one. But let's see what Ronnie Jackson says. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast Arrow podcast, as well as our new upcoming shows and an ad-free experience where you can read our amazing news articles and help fund our fierce and independent journalism. We're going to be hiring a lot more people. We've got a couple couple more journalists are going to be joining. Our fact checker, we've only been up for like a week or so, two weeks. We've got a fact checker, a couple of them we're going to be hiring soon. So we're going to double fact check everything. It's going to be fantastic. Go to TimCast.com, become a member. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel here on YouTube, and share this video with your friends if you think this information is important. From TimCast.com, ex-Obama doctor, Biden needs a cognitive exam now. President has completely lost it. Former White House doctor turned Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson issued a dire warning about the state of Joe Biden's mental health over the weekend saying the commander in chief needs a cognitive exam now to determine his fitness for office. Jackson did not hold back as he took to Twitter, demanding the president has completely lost it. Our cities are exploding with drugs and violence because of Democrat defund the police policies and the great uniter Joe Biden deflects to talk about sucking blood out of kids. He completely lost it. Needs a cognitive exam now, posted the physician on social media. I agree. I've said as much, but I'm not a former White House physician. Now having him say it is big. It's not the first time we've seen a lot of people call for this. But let me just stress, please listen, Democrats. I will accept a Kamala Harris presidency begrudgingly if you can just admit that Joe Biden coming out and saying Republicans believe that that Democrats suck the blood out of kids is the most insane thing. We've heard a president say in a long time, I I can fully recognize Donald Trump said crazy things, but Donald Trump's speech was bombast. Okay, Donald Trump was a boastful braggart. At least you can say he was irrational. Okay, but he was he had a twist. He had his own logic to it. You know, Donald Trump would come out and say things that you understood but didn't like. Joe Biden's coming out and saying things where you're like, what are you talking about, dude? I mean, not only, not only are you saying what are you talking about, like the, the sucking blood out of what? But I got to show you a quote. I got to show you a quote from Joe Biden. I'll show you that quote. They say the congressman in a second, the congressman was referring to an interjection between Biden and a reporter in which he changed the subject from defunding the police to sucking the blood out of kids. Are there people in the Democrat Party who want to defund the police? Yelled one journalist. First of all, journalist, I'm sorry, that was a dumb question. They say there's no such thing as dumb questions. So I can respect that Joe Biden should have, if Joe Biden had to answer, then that would have been an, a confirmation that the highest ranking member of the party, the president, is acknowledging that some Democrats want to defund police. Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids, responded the president. What? We know the Democrats want to defund the police. Some want to abolish the police completely. And a lot of anarchists, libertarians, and ANCAPs want to abolish the police as well. So I think there's a growing sentiment in that regard. But regardless, this was an unhinged statement from, from Biden. They say Jackson made similar comments after watching the president's televised town hall on CNN last week. Quote, where are the people in our academic medicine that were out there calling for Trump to have a cognitive test? Where are these people? There's something seriously going on with this man right now. And you know, I think that he's either gonna, he's either gonna resign They're going to convince him to resign from office at some point in the near future for medical issues, or they're going to have to use the 25th Amendment to get rid of this man right now. There's some serious stuff going on right now. This is a national security issue at this point. Last month, Jackson and a dozen Republican members of the House released a letter calling on Biden to take a mental health exam, as President Trump did after taking office, The American people deserve full transparency on the mental capabilities of their highest elected leader, the Republicans wrote. And I agree with that. Ronnie Jackson didn't just say he should take a test. He predicted Biden will resign. And that's what that quote is saying. Now, there may be many of you who don't believe me. There's gonna be a lot of Democrats who say things like this is untrue. It's absolutely untrue. I have Snopes for you, and I'm gonna read you a quote. Before I do, I want to explain to you what I mean. Over at Civics, Joe Biden's approval rating, 79,586 responses from January to July. We can see that when Joe Biden started, his approval rating was 48% to 43% disapproval. Well, Over time, it balanced out with going back and forth between 47 and 47 on both sides, a little bit disapproval, a little bit approval, etc. But now here we are. 48% Forty-eight percent disapprove of Joe Biden's job as president. Forty-four percent approve. I want to tell you what's so shocking about this poll. I, I I get it. We're seeing people who say I like Biden, I don't like Biden. I'm like sure, whatever. Let's go by party. Obviously, Republicans don't like Joe Biden. Ninety-three percent disapprove when he took when he first took office. It was eighty-nine percent. There was five percent who neither approve or disapprove. That number has been dropping. And now the undecided disapprove. And there's one percent more Republicans. There was five percent approval in January, four percent approval. Republicans don't like Biden. They never did. Now let's take a look at Democrats. Even after everything we've seen, for the most part, approval for Biden is massive among Democrat voters. Interestingly, though, when he started, 80, 89% approve, and now 87 So it has gone down two points. Okay, you know, approval among Republicans goes down. I'm not surprised. Approval among Democrats goes down any amount, and I'm actually surprised. But what is it? Well, those two points move into the disapprove category. That's to a certain degree. I mean, I don't know exactly if these people approved of him and now say they disapprove. Maybe it's people who weren't sure now disapprove of him. Democrats, after seeing everything, still support this man. Let me show you the quote that is triggering much of this outrage. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit com slash pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. From Snopes. Is this meandering quote from Biden real? A quote starting quote, uh, quote, and the question is whether or not we should be in a position went viral in July 2021. You know, I saw this story on Snopes and I was like, they're really going to try and defend this, aren't they? One thing you need to understand about the media does. They do not report the literal statements from the president. They translate it for him. To put it mildly, Joe Biden might come out and say something like, you know, we need we got uh, there's uh, we, 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 foreign policy. We got, uh, you know, we got, we got, Iraq is bad, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. And what will the mainstream media report? Biden criticized our, I'll say, quote, Biden criticizes response, U.S. administration, you know, previous previous administrations in Iraq, even though his whole statement was like, I have no idea what you said. Here we go. Correct attribu- attribution. Claim during a CNN town hall, Biden said, quote, and the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you are. Why can't the experts say we know this virus is, in fact, is going to be or excuse me, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. What? Correct attribution, saith Snopes. What did he just say? Look at this image. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where or why can't the experts say, we know this virus is in fact, it's going to be, or excuse, we know why, excuse me, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. That's underway too. I have no idea what that quote means. The president went on stage in front of the whole world and said something. I absolutely have no idea what he said listen uh, 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 the drugs uh we, we oh, wait what we we need to know we know why all the drugs approved are are permanently approved, not temporarily i don 't know what that means. is he trying this i, I couldn't even translate this for you see here 's what happens as I mentioned, the media will translate for Biden when he fumbles around with nonsense statements, and it's amazing because even conservatives do it too. Biden will say we gotta. Get a hold, you know. It's uh, we got we got inflation. You know, it's, it's 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 bad. Every outlet will report. Biden criticized inflation and said we must take action. No, show what he actually said because we don't know what he meant. Stop translating for the man. Publish his quotes verbatim. That's part of the problem. You see, I'm sure a bunch of journalists are like, I'm doing a service by whittling through the truth to figure out exactly what it is Biden was trying to say. But you're making assumptions. Those are opinions. If the man doesn't clearly express himself, it's an opinion. Which brings me to The Vindicator. A dear editor letter, Joe Biden should take a cognitive exam. President Joe Biden has finished his G7 trip, and I believe it was a bomb. His responses are awkward, defensive, and incoherent. He was asked a question about Vladimir Putin, and he just stood there in complete silence. House Speaker Pelosi demanded that Trump take a cognitive test under the 25th Amendment. President Trump did and said he aced the test. It is time for Biden to do the same. He continues to babble and lose his train of thought over and over. I also think it's time for Obama to come out of the woodwork and become a White House advisor. He said he wanted a third term. Vice President Kamala Harris is incapable of taking over the presidency. So someone needs to replace Biden and get this country back, get, get the country back on track. So far, Biden's policies have hurt us badly. Democrats should do it now. This guy who writes in to this newspaper is saying Obama needs to step up. Not even, <laughs> this is so awful. Look, I conceded I would accept a cognitive corruption, a corrupt individual like Kamala over a mentally incompetent, corrupt guy like Biden. But this dude's going one step further. I'm look, would I be happy with a Harris presidency? Of course not. I do not like her. But I'll, I'll accept that. I guess that's the line of succession. This guy's like, nah, just bring Obama back. OK, I don't like Obama either. <laughs> this is nuts. The G7. Well, what, what, what happened? Check this out. From the New York Post, Biden's gaffe at G7 summit sparks laughter from world leaders. We are the laughing stock of the world. You know it's funny. I said the same thing about Trump. But the thing about Trump was I didn't care. There's different kinds of laughing stock, okay? Donald Trump and comes out and says something abrasive and bombastic, and they laugh, but then also are scared of the man. I'm like, dude, I don't care what Trump says. People are scared of him. He's irrational. You know, they're, they 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 fear that irrational, maybe not the right word, maybe um, emotional. You know, don't screw around with him because you don't know how he'll react. Joe Biden is not cognitively functioning. So they're just laughing at him. Now, I get it. I absolutely empathize with the Democratic voters who are like, this man is making us a mockery. But let me just point something out. While I can say, I understand the criticism of Trump, the way he spoke, and I have criticized a lot of the way he spoke in the past several times. Notably, I tell the story of the cab driver in Texas who said, I wish Trump didn't speak this way because they liked his policies. I can point those things out that if Trump spoke better, he probably would have done way better. Who knows what would have happened? But Ron DeSantis, I think he's got the Trump policies to a certain degree, doesn't talk like Trump. So these Democrats who say Donald Trump is the laughing stock, he's making us look bad, the country's falling apart, vote for a guy whose brain doesn't work. How does that solve any of the problems you claim to have been fighting? President Biden embarrassed himself at the G7 summit when he tried to correct British Prime Minister Boris Johnson for not introducing the president of South Africa, even though Johnson already did, do, already did so by name. Wonderful. It's, it's, it's great. The blooper. One of several Biden made amid the series of meetings with world leaders prompted laughter at his expense at the start of a roundtable discussion in Cornwall, England. The awkward incident took place on Saturday. OK, OK, OK. He didn't realize that Boris Johnson, who introduced the presidents of South Africa, had introduced the president of South Africa. But it's not just that. Here we go. This one's this one's important. You, OK, it's a meeting. Who cares? No, this one's important. Biden confuses Libya and Syria three times during a market G7 summit. And what if he was negotiating terms and said Libya over and over again, and they get the documents out and it says trade sanctions, Libya. And then he was like, oh, I'm meant Syria. Well, sir, the treaties are signed and stamped and approved. The other countries didn't know what you were talking about. We can't have this guy's not here, man. Here we go. By this is from May 21st. Biden confuses job title of South Korean president after mixing up Netanyahu's post. These are not one offs. This doesn't just happen one time from Express. This one from March 26. Joe Biden health fears U.S. President loses train of thought and misstates key facts. He has sparked fears over us. This is March. How many times have we got to point out this dude ain't all with it? And we're still here. Here we go. This one. Wow. This one, my friends. Biden confuses Tuskegee Airmen. With syphilis study victims in explaining COVID vaccine reluctance. (laughs) This one. Wow. The Tuskegee Airmen. Heroes. The Tuskegee Experiments. Victims. This is, this is. Joe Biden is drawing criticism for comments he made that mixed up the Tuskegee Airmen, a heroic group of African-American World War II pilots, with victims of an Alabama syphilis study. Joe Biden was speaking and he claimed that the heroes of the Tuskegee, that these heroes, the Tuskegee Airmen, were syphilitic victims of government experiments. Now, hey, first and foremost, the criticism goes to the government of the United States for the experiments. But Joe Biden, man, show a little respect. I don't think he was trying to be disrespectful. I think grandpa is in all with it. He, he can't understand what's happening around him, man. Trump White House doctor. 13 other House Republicans urged Biden to take cognitive test. They go on to mention that Ronnie Jackson, and the story is from back in on Ju- a month ago, June 18th. Ronnie Jackson led a group of 14 Republicans who sent Biden a letter on Thursday urging him to take a cognitive test. Notice how they call Ronnie Jackson a Trump doctor in this one. That's true. But the reality is that Ronnie Jackson was a medical advisor, not the doctor. So here's what they say. Trump White House doctor. Well, hold on there. Let's pull up this here Wikipedia. They say, under Donald Trump, he was the first medical advisor. Well, to be fair, he was uh, phys- phys- physician to the president until 2018 before becoming the chief medical advisor. So I'll, I'll, I'll walk that point back. He was the physician to Donald Trump from July, from, from 2013 until 2018, Ronnie Jackson was the physician to the president. He was the physician to Obama for what? A little over th- a little uh, three years ish a little bit more than three years. He was more a doctor to Obama than he was to Trump. But uh, you know what? I'll say this. I'll say this. First and foremost, pointing out other Republicans have called for a cognitive test. Notice the framing. I said he, uh, he I'll, I'll call him a White House doctor. The, the right will call him an Obama doctor. Timcast.com, Obama doctor. And USA Today, Trump doctor. You see how that plays out? That's the reality. You know, we should probably change this to say White House doctor, you know, and not playing to Obama. But the reason people say Obama and the reason, you know, our articles did is to highlight that this is not a guy who is just, you know, Donald Trump's guy, right? He was also a doctor for, for Obama, but he is a Republican. And that divide is very clearly there. Republicans overwhelmingly disapprove of Biden. Democrats overwhelmingly approve of Biden. The only real divide, which I'll show you where where, where these changes come from, is in independent voters. The last hope, I suppose. Early on, independent voters by two points disapproved of Biden. However, today, it's actually 55 disapproval to 34% approval. So what's happening here? Republicans are saying it's bad. Let's go through a bit of what's happening, my friends. What is happening in this country from the Hill? Western U.S. airports face jet fuel shortage. The shortages are increased by demands from firefighting and commercial aircraft, as well as issues in the supply chain, leading to flights being disrupted at airports around the Pacific Northwest, the AP reported. At Fresno Yosemite International Airport, fewer jet fuel deliveries from tanker truck drivers led to shortages, ultimately affecting flights in and out of the airport, the wire service noted. At Bozeman Yellowstone International Airport, flight delays and departure problems ensued because firefighting aircraft and commercial airlines had an increased demand for jet fuel. Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak, along with Senators Catherine Cortez Masto, Jackie Rosen, and Rep Mark Amodei, issued a joint letter on Saturday regarding potential jet fuel shortages that could affect flights and cargo delivery at Reno-Tahoe International Airport. Governor Sisolak, Senator Masto, we know their names, have been working together to triage the situation to avoid and minimize disruption for passengers, and ensure critical operations, including the delivery of essential goods into the state. Vegas is in serious trouble if y'all don't got planes, that's for sure. That city will not exist if airlines stop functioning. We are currently speaking to all responsible parties to understand how the situation occurred and prevent future shortages. But our immediate focus is on ensuring resources to combat Western wildfires are not impacted, and that there is as little disruption as possible for Nevadans and visitors who depend on the unreliable air service. A spokeswoman for the Reno Tahoe Airport Authority told the AP that jet fuel shortage stemmed from several issues, including uh, runway construction and a small number of available tanker truck drivers. Under Joe Biden, this unemployment has gone out to so many people that nobody needs to work. They're talking about 15 bucks an hour for unemployment. People are choosing not to work. That's UBI for you. You know, when I was younger, it made sense to me. Now they got older. and I was like, oh, here's why it won't work. Because people who don't have to work won't. Look, I understand there are a lot of jobs that suck. I worked fast food when I was younger. Hated it. It was awful. Staring at the clock, watching the hours tick away. And then I remember thinking to myself, it's like noon. And then I watched the, 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 the you know, the hand just go around. And then hits one. And I'm like, that was $8. That's it that was $8. I'd be better off just walking around downtown asking for the $8. I'd make more money per hour asking for it than working for it. And that is a serious problem with how these companies don't pay enough. However, there are some jobs that need to be done. We don't all like, we don't all like doing chores all the time. I do think we need to have a reshaping of, of, of the economy in a certain sense. We need kiosks at fast food restaurants. We don't need to hire people to do this anymore, but people need to get jobs elsewhere. The problem now is it's not just about not working, not taking jobs you don't like because they're boring. It's about people just not doing anything in the supply chain. Some people are like, I used to drive. Rather not. I'll take unemployment. When will it stop? They're creating a dependency. Joe Biden's administration is creating a dependency because people aren't going to just start working. And if they cut off these payments, people aren't just going to start working. They're going to freak out. And it could leave a lot of people holding the bag, creating a lot of new depend, government-dependent voters, I suppose. Now many states have cut off the unemployment, for sure, saying, you can't, "We can't do this. We need, we need workers back." And people need to recognize not every job is fun. You see me record these videos. You see my show, right? The Timcast IRL podcast. Sure, I like talking. I do a job I enjoy. But what people don't realize is there's so much administrative garbage I have to deal with there. I see people commenting sometimes. They're like, oh, like there's news news that breaks about Tim. Now I understand why he looks tired because it's not like this job is just all fun and games. You might see when we do the vlog, everything seems silly and fun, but you don't see all of the hard work we have to put into that. And a lot of the times I'm like, I have to work all the time, nonstop. That's reality. That's life. You have to work. Fastgrowingtrees.com code pool. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Some people enjoy their work more than others. I, I I empathize with those who have bad jobs and want to find better work. I'd love to help them find better work. But work is a part of life. Under Biden, he's making things worse. Take a look at this. Inflation fears and politics shape view of Biden economy. Sure, politics plays a role. I get it. But inflation actually is is getting worse. Fewer than half of Americans say the country's economy is in good shape. A new APNORC poll finds Americans continue to have middling views of the U.S. economy. About six in 10 Democrats say economic conditions are good compared with just a quarter of Republicans. It's, it's amazing to me. The Democrats in these cities overwhelmingly receiving unemployment are like, everything's going great. I'm like, how many small businesses in New York and your cities were shut down? It's not going great. People aren't working. There's no truck drivers. Are you insane? Yes, it's tribalism. Joe Biden can do no wrong. They just support the man because he's a Democrat and they don't want to be seen as Republicans. It is creepy and stupid. I don't care about the Republican Party. I don't care about the Democratic Party. Under Donald Trump, with energy independence. Donald Trump, for all of his screw-ups, was still trying to get our troops out of the Middle East. I can accept these things. I can accept the anti-wokeness. I can accept the, the things he was doing and say, OK, fine, I'll vote for the guy. But now, if I, had, if I truly had to vote, I'd probably vote libertarian. Because, to be honest, our past administration didn't have a particularly good—well, uh, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. The past election— Didn't have a particularly good Libertarian Party. Hey, this time around, we got the Mises Caucus and and Dave Smith and we got Michael Malice. And so I'm kind of like, hey, you know what, man? I don't know what's going to happen, but I absolutely would prefer the Libertarian Party over either of these parties. But with that being said, I can still recognize basic functioning economics and morality. And I can look at Joe Biden and say his brain doesn't work. I can criticize Donald Trump for being boorish and being bombastic. But these Democrat voters just keep saying, like, everything's getting better. That getting getting better. Oh, you know what, man? Printing money like crazy is not getting better. This is short sighted and unfortunate. And now for the worst news of all, I am so angry, my friends. My blood is boiling. Taco Bell currently dealing with shortages of ingredients, hot sauce, even napkins. You've crossed the line, Joe Biden. You can you can take away our gasoline. You can take away our jet fuel. But you took my taco. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't need Taco Bell. It's not bad. I like Taco Bell, though. Yeah, Taco Bell's dealing with food shortages, supply chain issues. This is not just affecting Taco Bell. I'm pretty sure it's affecting tons of other uh, uh, fast food chains. Food shortages are real. And you've heard me talk about it all the time. It's funny. It's hilarious. Haha. I had a friend be like, you know, criticizing me over, over doing the promos for the, for the emergency food supply stuff. And it's really funny because we do a promo sometimes. Not all that often. I think you know we we didn't do one last month, or maybe the months. But we may, we maybe did one one the month before. We do these promos. Maybe we'll do some one soon, where we're like, hey, buy these these food buckets. They last for 25 years. You buy them, you put them in your closet, you forget about them. And the leftists are like, haha, that's so dumb. You're you're fear mongering. And I'm like, I- is it fear mongering to tell someone to buy a first aid kit? Like to get a box of band aids? No, you don't really use them that often. But that's what's crazy to me. We're literally watching food shortages, and I'm being criticized for telling people like. I don't think we're going to run out of food because we got too much of it. But, you know, you need to eat. So if you're going to have a first aid kit, you might as well have an emergency food and water kit, right? What's the big deal? You can put it in the closet, last for 25 years. This is the mentality of many of the Democrats, short-sighted. The economy is great. Why? Well, the government's printing me money and I can buy stuff. Okay. if people aren't working, they're not making things. So let's let's just do really, really basic math here to help understand what's wrong with Joe Biden's administration. Let's say you've got 10 widgets in an economy, and in a normal economy, you've got one person who makes a widget and one person who buys the widget, and they rotate. So there's always 10 widgets in the system. Someone's ready to buy, then someone makes a replacement. Get rid of the workers. Nobody is making widgets. Now these, these men are all standing here, these individuals, these men and women, about to buy widgets, but no one's making any. The government prints money so they can. Now you have 10 widgets, nine, eight seven, six, five, four, three, two, one shortage. We're out. How are we out of widgets? Nobody's working, dude. So these people are getting money saying the economy is going great. I'm paying my rent. I'm eating food. And it's like, dude, for how long, for how long are you? Are, you're not paying attention. I want to show you this, this, this Twitter thread to break down for you. What's what's happening? Hey, boo boo on Twitter. I have no idea who Hey, boo boo is, but you know, Hey, good name. She writes, yesterday was a sad day for me and my husband. We closed on our rental property that we had no choice but to sell. The government mandated that people could live at it for free for over a year. We lost out on over $42,000 in rental income. That's right. It's not just about giving people free money. It's about telling people you can't be evicted. Now, I'm sure people are saying, ha, 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 landlord. Landlord's not a job, blah, blah, blah. This lady's not a wealthy individual. She inherited a building from a relative who passed. And now they have to pay for utilities, labor to maintain the building, and taxes and insurance. It's not free to have a building, and people aren't paying for it, so who is? Hey Boo Boo says, all of our renters were receiving unemployment, but the government would not allow evictions, so they just didn't pay. We got no break on paying property taxes, insurance, and utilities, so we blew through our savings. We are trying to pursue back rent at this time. My husband inherited the property from his father who died of cancer, so it's been a bit emotional. This whole government-induced tragedy has done irreparable harm to so many. Someone asked, if you inherited it, then why do you need to sell? Unable to pay the property taxes? She said, we are not rich people. We lost $42,000 in rent and still had to pay property tax, insurance, utilities, and the loan we took out to do repairs. We depleted an IRA. We had, we, we had, and no, we did not qualify for any assistance. We aren't some big corporation. Owning a property is not magic. You don't get free money you got to pay for repairs. In this instance, this woman said, we're going to take out a loan so that we can do the repairs in the building so the people who live in it don't live in squalor. And now they're losing the building because of it. Thanks, Biden. So yeah, people are upset and his brain isn't working. He's not going to fix these problems. It's going to make it worse. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out and we will see you all then. This past weekend, we saw protests in Australia, we saw protests in London, and the past week we saw protests in France as thousands of people, and in France, even over 100,000 people say no to mandatory vaccination and vaccine passports. Here in the United States, talk of lockdowns has begun to reemerge. There's news reports about fuel shortages at airports in the West, trucker shortages, gas hitting $6. (laughs) Boy, things seem to be not going so well, I suppose. Well, I'll just put it this way before we get started. You got to disconnect a little bit. You know, I look outside. I see a bunch of trees. We relax. We grilled burgers the other day. I don't know how long we'll be able to be going about grilling burgers in in the long run if things keep up this way. But suffice it to say, people are not going to take this lying down. There's a bit of optimism there. I've long been fairly pessimistic in in certain regards that people won't stand up for themselves. But seeing these massive protests in places like uh, Australia and France, well, I'm starting to be a little bit more confident that people are going to say no to the extremist lockdowns. But, you know, there's always pros and cons with this things, with, with these things. The big story, however, that gets us all started so you can understand the context of why people are out in the streets saying no, the French Senate approves vaccine pass despite protests. German politicians divided. What does the vaccine passport mean? And what does it mean to have mandatory vaccination? Well, they're not, they're not going out and telling you they're going to go to your door and they're going to inject you with a the vaccine. They're telling you that if they find you in a public accommodation, that means like a business or a community center or whatever the, the rules specifically are, A public accommodation is like somewhere you can go to in the public. So in the U.S., that would be like a library. But in in France, it's like restaurants, cafes, uh, entertainment centers, shopping malls. If they find you there and you cannot produce your papers, prison. Prison if you cannot produce your papers. Now, in a sense— it's already bad enough, in my opinion, that the cops can walk up to you and be like, prove who you are. You know, there in, there's, there, there have been some times where I have not had ID on me. You know, I leave my wallet at home because I'm like, I don't really care. We're like, you know, I'm just going for, a, going for a bike ride or something. And then what? Cop stops, says, give me your ID. And you're like, I didn't bring it with me. It's like, well, I can identify you, so I'm going to arrest you. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens too much. So it's bad enough. You You have to have ID. But, you know... I think we've all grown a bit lax in that regard, where it's like, okay, whatever, show your ID, get it over with, right? Now in France, they're saying, produce your medical papers. Thomas Massey tweeted something interesting. You may notice that in the COVID vaccination cards, there are four slots, four, even though the COVID vaccine is only two shots. And Thomas Massey says, what did you think the other two were going to be for? That's right. See, once they start saying mandatory vaccination, they're not talking about just COVID. They're going to talk about everything. Here's what I don't like. Mandatory medication. Not a fan. I'm libertarian. See, uh, it's, it's really, really funny when you see the conservatives say, my body, my choice. I agree 100%. And the left comes out and says, oh, well, they're being hypocrites because they're pro-life. And I'm like, well, that's a stupid argument because pro-lifers— believe that there's a woman and a baby, two independent life forms. And so that's a different scenario from one person choosing to affect their life. But I'll do you one better, leftists. I've always been pro-choice. I've, I have had an argument with, uh, uh, we, we, uh, Seamus and I argue on Timcast IRL fairly often when he's on the show about pro-choice versus pro-life. Now, I certainly think the left has gone absolutely off the rails in terms of what, it, what pro-life and choice is. I don't think they're pro-choice. I think they're pro-abortion. But anyway, I, dig- I digress. My body, my choice. Mm, yeah, even with the complicated morality of two life, two lives in one, you know, uh, har- with, with one body, it, it's tough. Well, they each have their own independent body, but uh, it's a complicated problem. But I've always been pro-choice for libertarian reasons, which is a huge moral conundrum. I totally get that. But I think that's true for people uh, in terms of vaccination. So uh, your argument makes means nothing to me, to the leftists. Now, what we're seeing in France, if you don't have your papers and they search you and they question you six months in prison or a fine, if you run an establishment, a public accommodation, and you don't check papers one year. So, of course, we saw 160,000 people rise up saying no to this. Here's the story from Politico. They say, despite growing protests, French lawmakers have moved a step closer to passing a bill. That would introduce obligatory coronavirus vaccinations for certain professions and condition access to cultural and leisure spaces, as well as travel on a health pass showing proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. The French Senate, late Saturday, approved the bill but introduced changes to the government's draft to exempt minors and remove restaurant and cafe terraces from places requiring the new passe sanitaire, sanitary pass. Senators also tabled an amendment to, uh, to postpone implementation of the new rules to September instead of August. The law now needs final approval from the lower house of parliament, which I absolutely believe they will do. Ahead of the Senate vote, more than 160,000 people protested across France against the proposed restrictions, up by some 50,000 on demonstrations last weekend. Around 35% of French citizens support such protesting, according to a new poll. They go on to say that's really low. Actually, the yellow vests protesters—they were upset about a rise in petrol prices. They were taxing it. Had way more support. I'm not. not, I'm not entirely convinced of these polls. I got to be honest. I don't trust the media. I don't trust the government. I don't trust big pharma. And therein lies a really, really big problem. Let, Let let me quickly, quickly just show you the outrage from France and why, you know, people are protesting. They say over at the Guardian. Macron announced that from July 21st, anyone visiting a theater, cinema, sports or venue uh, v- sports venue or festival with an audience of more than 50 people would need a health pass proving they were either fully vaccinated or had tested negative. The same requirement will be extended to bars, cafes, restaurants, shopping centers, shopping centers, hospitals, long-distance trains, coaches and planes from 1st of August, he said, including for children. Interesting. People unable to present a valid health pass risk up to six months in prison and a fine up to €10,000, according to the draft text of the law. Owners of establishments welcoming to the public who failed to check patrons' passes could go to jail for a year and be hit with a €45,000 fine. It's creepy stuff, man. We saw thousands of anti-lockdown, anti—they say anti-vaccine protesters. I'm not entirely convinced. It's honest. Pack London's Trafalgar Square. Yahoo News reports thousands have gathered Saturday, July 24th in London's Trafalgar Square to protest against the lockdown rules and COVID-19 vaccinations. A wide range of speakers uh, attending, uh, are attending the event, including the well-known British conspiracy theorist Kate Shemirani, who spoke to the crowd. Demonstrators are angry about the recent move, which will see vaccine passports becoming compulsory in England to access nightclubs and other packed venues. Boris Johnson has said the new measure will take effect by the end of September. And now we have this. Critics react, as Fauci says, new mask mandates under active considera- considera- consideration. This is what's coming to the US. So you need to, I, I mentioned this early on, and I just want to make sure people recognize there will be very likely a return to mandates. And then we get to Australia. There were thousands of people protesting in Australia. Let me, let me just say something real quick. Um, many of you may, may know that uh, my position has long been we need universal health care. What do I mean by that? Hold on. I think we need base level care and then we need private supplemental. That's what most countries do, actually. And so the idea would be if you like break your arm or, you know, you get the flu, then you can go to the hospital and not worry about being bankrupted. Now, I know there's a lot of people who are advocates of the uh, uh, proponents of, of, the, of, of the free markets, and I'm absolutely willing to uh, entertain those conversations. But there are a lot of people who can't even afford free market solutions. And so the argument, I guess, from, from people on the right is that prices would go down in a truly free market system. I agree with that to a certain degree, to a certain degree. But ultimately, when I have all these debates and conversations, I end up with a, I think we need basic level coverage. Look, not everybody can afford a, a fire department, even if it costs money. Some people have no money. So we don't want fires to spread. Here's what I think. I think right now we got major, massive pharmaceutical companies big pharma the left has always been complaining about them because they stand in the way of their truly utopian dream of absolute universal healthcare with no private supplemental insurance they would ban that that's kind of crazy but maybe that's their big ask that's what that's what bernie sanders had had, had been saying that you know you get you get rid of you ban private insurance and you only do government i'm like that's insane no i think it's like You know, you broke your arm. You go to the hospital. They patch up, send you on your way, and it's a taxpayer-funded thing. But more serious ailments and acute illnesses that require uh, research and 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 technical ability—that's going to require private. So, how do we get to that point? I don't know. But I'll tell you this: right now, it's being reported that uh, 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 comorbidities—people who have died of COVID so far up to this year—ninety-four percent had comorbidities, meaning that people who had, you know, COPD, lung issues, they catch COVID, and the COVID. Well, their, their bodies can't handle it because of respiratory illnesses or things like that. And I'm like, OK, let's get those comorbidities down. Let's stop giving billions of dollars to a for-profit venture to major multinational pharmaceuticals. I don't, I don't understand this from the left. All of a sudden now they're pro-big corporate pharma? Since when and why? I'm not. I don't think our taxpayer dollars should be going to for-profit, multi-billion dollar companies. I mean, I, I get the idea. Of, of rolling out a vaccine. I get the idea of all that. But shouldn't we have something that actually, I don't know, takes care of people at a base level? Now, I'm, I'm going to slow down a little bit and get back into what's going on with Australia. But I want to point something out. There are a lot of challenges with the idea of universal, universal health care. And it's that even with government funded healthcare you're still going to have people who just eat and don't take care of themselves. And that actually could exacerbate the problem, which is why I'm only like center left on this position. It's hard to actually navigate. The reality is, you can advocate for any policy and any law. The problem is always cultural. Isn't that interesting? I was talking to, uh, I can't remember what I was talking to, we were talking about uh, left libertarianism and communes and things like that. And someone pointed out on the Timcast IRL podcast that, you know, the, the only real communes that work are like religious ones because people have a shared vision and a shared culture. But when you try to scale up to the sides of the United States with multiculturalism, then people clash and then you get authoritarianism because you can't maintain your utopian vision with too many people who don't agree with each other on what that vision is. So anyway, that's why a lot of these left libertarian positions don't work and almost always become authoritarian. And that's why I just kind of shrug and say, I get it. You know, I'm a centrist. How about that? Here's what's happening in Australia. As their COVID cases climb, police vow to crack down on the anti-lockdown protest. CNBC reports, Australia's most populous state reported a rise in new COVID-19 cases on Monday, despite a weeks-long stay-at-home order, while police vowed to crack down on any repeat of a wa- of wild anti-lockdown protest at the weekend. New South Wales, which has had more than 5 million people in Sydney City under lockdown for a month, reported 145 new cases of the virus from 141 a day earlier. Isn't this insane? There's this viral video, where they're like, one person has tested positive for the coronavirus, and now the government is locking down millions of people. Like, that's, that just seems like way over the top, man. Like, the video from Australia was nuts. So yeah, people are protesting. Of particular concern, 51 of those newly diagnosed were active in the community before testing positive, raising the risk of transmission. The authorities have said they want that number near zero before lifting the city's most restrictive lockdown, of the pandemic at a July 30 target date. Some settings might change. We might need to go harder in some areas and release some settings in others. State Premier Gladys Berejiklian said at a televised news conference, she added that she would give an update on the movement restrictions in the next few days. At the weekend, thousands of people marched in an anti-lockdown protest, which turned violent in central Sydney. An event the state chief health officer Kerry chant, uh, Chant called distressing. As images and videos of the protests circulated on social media, including one image of a man apparently punching a police horse, why, why would why would you do that? I don't punch a horse? State Police Commissioner Mick Fuller said some 10,000 people had called the police hotline to report people suspected of breaking lockdown orders. I just love the psychopathy of people and the ease at which they march into authoritarianism. I can't blame them all. You know, media propaganda and brainwashing does play a role, but I think it's fascinating that we have a vaccine, that, that the vaccine is reportedly safe and effective. In fact, I have numerous segments where I'm pointing out that cases are dropping amid the, 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 the distribution of the vaccine. Okay. If you trust it, if you support it, if you're a fan of Pfizer and you want to get that big old Pfizer tattoo on your arm, you're safe. Why are you calling the cops on your neighbor's? See, that's weird, isn't it? I don't understand. I I guess what they're saying is the new line. There's this comic and it shows a phalanx of people all surrounding, you know, each other with shields, you know, the phalanx is basically you've got everybody with their shield forward and the shields overlap with each other, creating a shield wall and it wraps all the way around. But one side is a bunch of anti-vaxxers saying no to vaccines and the vaccines break in. What they're saying is that because people aren't getting vaccinated, it's creating variants that these people are getting infected, the virus mutates, and then it makes, you know, a new variant, which can infect people even if they're vaccinated. I'm not, I'm not a scientist, a virologist, a molecular biologist, to tell you exactly how that works. I thought the point of the mRNA vaccine was that the spike proteins, which are on all of the, the viruses, your body would basically make it, it would be harder for you to get infected, but you still could. It's just that it would reduce the symptoms and re- re- reduce severe illness as your body builds up, you know, an immunity to these, these proteins. So I'm not entirely, I, I, don't, I don't know if I understand, you know, uh, how it becomes more dangerous. You know, it's still the virus. But my understanding is that even amongst, uh, you know, scientists who are critical of the establishment, they're saying it's way more transmissible. Reportedly, it's, it's less deadly or whatever, but there's still concerns that it could cause people to lose their lives. But at any rate, the arguments like this, I suppose, could be made for anything. And the ultimate challenge is, are we a utilitarian world or are we, I guess the, the proper way to put it would be deontological. You know, the individual makes the choices regardless of the outcome. Do we, do we decide to sacrifice people? Do, do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? Or do we say each action is an individual action that must be considered regardless of consequences? And then we can't wrong individuals. It's tough. I I fall on the side of individual liberty, but I do recognize there are problems before. We'll get get philosophical a little bit, but let me show you this from The New York Times, a largely maskless, sometimes violent protest against Sydney's lockdown raises fears of super spreading. Why didn't The New York Times write that about Antifa and Black Lives Matter? Why didn't The New York Times write, write a largely maskless, sometimes violent protest against police brutality raises fears of super spreading. Sorry, uh, New York Times. No, um, according to the to University of Colorado, these protests actually reduce the spread. That's what the University of Colorado said about Black Lives Matter, that people being out protesting causes more people to stay home. Well, moving on then, I suppose, right? That's the that's the, that's the, the narrative they want to go with. Now, imagine that there are so many people who just can't see through this stuff. And it's and it's a struggle. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. I certainly don't. The challenge is, as I pointed out in, uh, I put this out on Twitter, for every story you hear about somebody who didn't get the vaccine and regretted it, I hear stories about people who got the vaccine and had an adverse reaction. Adverse reactions exist. People who don't get the vaccine get sick. These things are all normal. The challenge is there's no way to properly convey scale to people when news stories focus on the individual. So I don't know what to tell you. That's why I always say, talk to your doctor, you know, talk to your doctor about what's right for you. And I actually had a friend say, the only reason you say that is because you don't want to get banned. And I'm like, I've, I've jokingly pointed that out. It's like half true, but I genuinely think you should, if you go to your doctor and you give them your health info and they say like, here's what I think, then follow their instructions. I don't, I'm not going to say it for the 50 billionth time, but that's the point. It's like, I don't take advice from me, but let's talk about the, 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 the philosophy of What's going on, I suppose? We got a lot of people on this planet. And uh, a lot of people don't believe in overpopulation. A lot of people think it's a myth. A lot of people think it's real. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've read a little bit of everything. I'm here in the middle of nowhere. Things seem to be okay. But I've talked to people who are very critical of of big pharma and the establishment who have said that we are facing very strange circumstances with bug insect die-offs and ocean, ocean acidification and dead zones. And regardless of what you think about climate change, there's... Ecosystem destabilization to pay attention to. There's one phenomenon he mentioned. This is Dr. Chris Martinson, by the way. If you, if you know him, you know that he's not supportive of the establishment. But he said on, on, on the IRL podcast, you used to be able to drive across country and your window would be splattered with bugs. Now it's not because there's a die-off happening at the lower cha- lo- the lower chain of the foods, uh, of, of the of, of the lower lower part of the food chain. Now I don't know exactly why what the solution is. And then you run into a very serious problem. I believe in individual liberties. I'm not going to impose my will on you. You leave me alone. I leave you alone. But I, this is something I asked of Alex Jones. Is it possible that we are like yeast consuming the sugars and farting ourselves to death? And eventually we're just, we just wipe ourselves out within this bottle of, of mead or something or whatever it would be wine. And Alex was like, it's a, it's a good question. I ask myself this all the time. Now here's the ultimate challenge. I don't trust the the global elites. I don't trust the big pharmaceutical companies. I want to believe there's a greater good. I want to believe that if we all pitch in, we can make this planet better. I want to believe that if we turn our lights off and flush our toilets less and use low flow shower heads, we will make things better. But then I see the 50 bedroom houses. Then I see Leonardo DiCaprio flying in a private jet. Then I see the Obama's beachfront property. I'm sorry. I take what they're doing. As an example, I say their actions speak louder than words. So what do you, what, what, how do you deal with these news stories? How do you deal with what's happening in these protests? You know what, my friends? Gavin Newsom not wearing a mask. Nancy Pelosi not wearing a mask. Gretchen Whitmer getting her hair did. Lori Lightfoot getting her hair done. These people didn't care about the lockdowns and the restrictions. Why should anyone else be subject to the whims of the authoritarians? If they're trying to tell us there's a greater good, maybe there is. Well, they're certainly not leading us. The leader needs to stand in front and say, I will take the first step, follow in my footsteps. But we see our leaders, our Democrats doing the exact opposite. I look to these cities, I look to these protests, and I'm like, no wonder people don't don't trust it. If there really was a great calamity and catastrophe, wouldn't the people claiming it be doing better themselves? No, because here's what I think. I think there are challenges with climate. I think there are ecological disasters heading our way. But the elites simply think this, if we can make everyone else stop using water and, you know, not eating beef, we get to. That's the idea. Oligarchy, an extreme wealth disparity. I'm not a fan of this. No, I don't think you get to put yourself above people like that, but they're the elitists and uh, the the neo-feudalists, and it's what they want. They want an elite class of the, of the better men who can eat whatever they want, fly wherever they want, use whatever they want, and they want all the poor people to just, you know, take what you get. It's funny because it's kind of like that movie Elysium, even though the movie Elysium was ridiculous. You know, it was good sci-fi elements, but boy, did they really ham up this like l- utopian narrative that made no sense. But it, it, it does seem that way in a sense. You know, in that movie, they had these machines that could heal you of all ailments, but they just didn't want to give it to the poor people just because. Well, here's what I think. The elites want to fly in private jets. They want their infinity pools. They want their penthouse suites. They want to consume at mass levels and be gluttonous. But that means you can't. If, they, if, the, if, if people keep acting this way, bad things happen to the planet. So they take away your rights. They keep theirs. I'm sorry, man. I'm not playing that game with y'all. If you want us all to, to tighten our belts, I'm down. But that means you tighten your belt too. Regardless, No one's going to trust these people if this is how they act. We'll see how things play out. Uh, I I believe we will see lockdowns happen in the U.S. I mean, we, we got an election coming up. Come on. Midterms are next year. Yeah. However, let me point out one thing. Trump ain't president no more. Right now, the Democrats are in control. A lockdown could be bad news for Democrats by pushing people to vote Republican who would vow to lift those restrictions. We'll see. Because the alternative is, with the restrictions, then you get expanded voter access, universal mail-in ballots, 24-hour stuff. So that could greatly help Democrats in cities. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It's always the big ask. When it comes to anything, public policy, sales deals, there's something called a big ask where you ask or demand more. Than you actually want. That way, when you walk it down, it sounds reasonable. So let's say I wanted $100 from you. If I ask you for $100, you're gonna be like, no way. And then we negotiate down. So instead, I say $200 and you go, whoa, that's, that's way too much. I say, okay, fine, how about 150? No, 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 we'll do 100. 100, okay, you got me. Which brings me to these stories Facebook and tech giants to target attacker manifestos, far right militias in database. Well, they also mention that they're targeting the Proud Boys, basically going after recruitment materials, whatever that means. Could just be statements opposing the establishment or ex- extreme government authority. We have another story, however. These two big, sto- these two uh, very, very big stories just coming out now. PayPal to research blocking transactions that fund hate groups and extremists. What's a big ask in this regard? They don't want to ban extremists necessarily. I mean, they do. They want to ban you. They want to ban me. So they go for the big ask. They say, we're going to go after these groups. It's kind of a big ask because people say, oh, extremists, they're bad. Then they need only wait for the Anti-Defamation League, who is partnering with PayPal or the SPLC to start labeling people extremists. Recently, the Southern Poverty Law Center called me a reactionary. I quite literally just had a video talking about my, my support for universal healthcare care and uh, many of my libertarian left-leaning positions. But uh, sure, why? It's not about being a reactionary. It's about just using buzzwords to try and push you in the public sphere closer to the idea of an extremist. So that way, eventually, they can strip you of your income, take away your property, dehumanize you. And so I want to do something. I want to show you these stories. But I want to start. This segment with a tweet from Mr. Jack Posobiec. The 10 stages of genocide, he tweets. Now, I actually have a more complete list, which is very different. We'll end with, but we'll start with this tweet from Jack so that we can assess this as we read the news. The first stage of genocide is the classification. People are divided into us and them. The second is symbolization. People are forced to identify themselves. The third, discrimination. People begin to face systematic discrimination. Four, dehumanization. People are equated with animals, vermin, or diseases. Five, organization. The government creates specific groups, police and military, to enforce the policies. Six is polarization. The government broadcasts propaganda to turn the populace against the group. Seven, preparation. Official action to remove and relocate people. Eight, persecution. The beginning of murders, theft of property, trial massacres. Nine, extermination wholesale elimination of the group. It is extermination and not murder because the people are not considered human. And finally, denial. The government denies that it has committed any crime. Now, where are we on this list? Well, that's why Jack says assess. Many people have been sharing this, trying to make arguments for where we really are. I'm going to give you my position towards the the end of the segment when I show uh, a response from Mike Cernovich, as well as the Holocaust Museum's breakdown in greater depth of what these things mean. But I want you to consider these things as we move through these stories. The first, Facebook and tech giants to target attacker manifestos and far-right militias in database. Reuters reports, a counter-terrorism organization formed by some of the biggest US tech companies, including Facebook and Microsoft, is significantly expanding the types of extremist content shared between firms in a key database, aiming to crack down on material from white supremacists and far-right militias. Until now, the Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism database, had focused on videos and images from terror groups on a UN list, and so has largely consisted of content from Islamists, uh, the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, etc. Over the next few months, the group will add attacker manifestos, often shared by sympathizers after white supremacist violence, and other publications and links flagged by UN initiative tech against terrorism. It will use lists from intel sharing groups, Five Eyes. Okay, so if you're not familiar with the Five Eyes Spy Club, I believe you've got Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Canada, and the US all sharing intel. They'll add URLs, PDFs from more groups, including the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, and Neo-Nazis. The Proud Boys. I don't recall the Proud Boys engaging in any serious attacks. What have the Proud Boys done? The Proud Boys, in a sense, you could, I know, I, 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 I want to be careful. Let's let me preface and let me explain real quick you could uh, liken in some ways to Antifa. Now, hold on before you freak out and say they're nothing alike. What I mean is they're a factional group that engages in protests. So of course, they're very, very different when you, get, when you break it down. But what I mean is the Proud Boys are not... It, there's, there's two factions fighting in the street, typically. You see a lot of Proud Boys. You see a lot of Antifa. Their core ideals are very different. The reason I say you can liken them in that sense is only because you often see them fighting each other. Other than that, not a whole lot. The Proud Boys are nationalist, masculist individuals, and they typically march peacefully, except when confronted by leftist organizations. Antifa, so so in a, in a sense, they're a, a reactionary. I don't know if reactionary is the right word necessarily, but uh, perhaps a little bit, both in the figurative and the literal. And they're typically defensive, meaning when fights break out, then they attack. When someone confronts them and attacks them, they, they attack back. Antifa are overtly violent, antagonistic uh, actors in, the, in this conflict. Okay, so uh, again, I'm stressing, you can liken, liken them only in the sense that they're two factions that appear on the ground. That's what I mean. When we look at what's been happening in the streets throughout this country, it's usually like Proud Boys and uh, affiliated groups and then Antifa. Antifa smashes and destroys and burns and kills. And, uh, you know, you can criticize, you know, white supremacist violence in the far right. Sure. But that's not associated with the Proud Boys. Overwhelmingly, like the, the, the Proud Boys have had some uh, individuals associated with, say, there was one guy who got kicked out who was, went on to be an organizer of Charlottesville. So, so I'm not going to say 100%. Now, we've got to be fair. The Proud Boys should be criticized for a lot of reasons. But they're moving the goalposts. And that's why I say big ask. They start by saying it's extremist groups like ISIS, now they're saying Proud Boys. Okay, what you need to understand is this is them bringing the war on terror home to a nationalist group. I'll, I'll put it this way. If you ignore the Proud Boys, do you know what they do? They'd march around, and then they'd go to a bar, they'd drink some beers, and they would go home. That's it. But Antifa shows up, and Antifa is antagonistic, and then fights break out. This was convenient for Antifa. Why? Why? Well, Antifa wants to engage in violence. They also need propaganda showing the Proud Boys to be violent. By starting the fights and then running away, they get their footage of the Proud Boys being violent towards them, and then the media publishes the narrative, you know, Proud Boys violent, etc. Now what's happened? The Proud Boys are being added to this list, but what about Antifa? What about Black Lives Matter? Oh, I'm sorry. Even though Black Lives Matter did engage in mass rioting across this country, which resulted in more than $2 billion in damage, and that was just the insurance cap. It could be way higher. They are a mainstream organization supported by all the major corporations. So you need to understand where this goes, which is why I brought up that tweet from Jack Posobiec, which we'll get to. they go going to mention the firms include Twitter, Google, YouTube. They'll share hashes, unique numerical representations of original pieces of content, that have been removed from their services. Other platforms use these to identify the same content on their own sites in order to review or remove it. So basically, if there is a manifesto or post or image meme, they can put a code that recognize it, share the code multi-platform, and remove it from every platform. This is what, what the, the Biden admin was talking about. When they said, if you break the rules on one, on one account, a channel or network, you should be banned from all the other ones. This is where they're going. They say, while well, the project helps to combat extremist content on mainstream platforms. Groups can still post violent images and rhetoric on many other sites and parts of the Internet. The tech group wants to combat a wider range of threats, said GIFCTs. Executive Director Nick Nicholas Rasmussen in an interview with Reuters. Anyone looking at the terror or extremist landscape has to appreciate that there are other parts that are demanding attention right now, Rasmussen said, citing the threats of far-right or racially motivated violent extremism. Now, let's let's slow down for a second. Yeah, those are bad things, really, really bad, and we must condemn them and push back. But you need to understand, they're going to start lumping in everybody with these groups. Show me where the Proud Boys went around and engaged in violent, racist, racist attacks. I mean, the chair of the Proud Boys is not a white man. But there you go. You see, that's, that's, that's how they play it. It's framing. They're allowed to get away with it. Rules for thee, but not for me. The next one is really fascinating. PayPal to research blocking transactions that fund hate groups. And they're, uh, and they're partnering with the Anti-Defamation League to investigate how extremist and hate movements in the US take advantage of financial platforms to fund their criminal activities. Well, hold on there a minute. That's not a bad thing. Stopping criminal activity? I agree with to a certain degree. I don't think PayPal should be forced to fund or provide a service for anybody committing crimes, okay? So if you're committing crimes, well, you know, you get, you get you know, removed from these platforms, sure. The concern is who controls what is a crime or isn't, and that's what we need to pay attention to. So here we are once again on the surface. The initial, the initial uh, statement is we want to stop funding criminal activity. My actual response is, yeah, that's I, I agree. I don't like criminal activity either. There's a challenge, though. With mass surveillance and the monopolization of these spaces, PayPal owning the overwhelming majority of Internet you know, transactions, you start running into very dangerous situations when they have the power to do this without any kind of oversight or public adjudication. So I'm not a big fan. How have we seen this manifest? People like Carl Benjamin, who is a liberalist British YouTuber and podcaster, who had his Patreon taken down for using a racial slur. Kind of poorly in my, po- in, in, my, in my point of view, but to make a point, he wasn't disparaging people based on their race. He was telling specific individuals that the way they described minorities was the way they themselves act. He was actually being not racist, and he was opposing racism, but it was done poorly. Well, because of that, they used this as justification to delete his income, terminated overnight. This caused a big wave off of Patreon, but ultimately, Patreon's fine. I mean, they're making tons of money. They say it will also look at network spreading. So here's, here's where we go. They say criminal activity. We say, OK, that was the big ask. The initiative will be led through the ADL Center on Extremism and will focus on uncovering and disrupting the financial flows supporting white supremacist and anti-government organizations. <laughs> hey, punk rock, you're out the window. It will also look at networks spreading and profiting from anti-Semitism, I think that's bad. Anti-Semitism is a really awful thing. Islamophobia, also not a fan. Racism, anti-immigrant, anti-black, anti-Hispanic, anti-Asian, bigotry. I don't like any of those things. I don't like racism. I don't like, uh, uh, well, anti-immigrant is where you get really, really interesting. Really interesting. That's a policy position. That's not a disparaging someone based on their demographic position. Now, YouTube says you can't disparage People based on their immigration status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what that means is like if there's someone who immigrates here, you can't call them a slur for having immigrated here. And there are some I'm not going to say them. But when you say anti-immigrant, are you talking about criticizing people who choose to come here? Because I think America's a great place. And I think it's hilarious that the left is acting like America sucks when everybody wants to live here. So I, I actually I, I'll put it this way. I love I love saying this, too. I have substantially more respect for the illegal immigrants who have crossed the Rio Grande and are coming through the desert than I do for the leftists who make up BS lies about this country and accuse it of all the worst, accuse it of being all the worst things in the book. I still think it's wrong to enter the country illegally. You can like the country. I can respect your, your zeal and your, your um, support, in a sense, or your belief in the ideas. I'm not going to support the criminal activity because it hurts everybody. We need people to come through uh, properly and by the law, so that we can make sure everybody flourishes. So that we can make sure we're proper properly engaging in household management, also known in Greek as oikonomia, which also is the root word of economy. You see how that works? Household management, oikonomia. I think that's pronouncing it right. But anyway, you get the point. So I'm actually I'm actually a huge fan of immigration. You know why? Um, I, as I've said before. I think we should allow every single person in the world to immigrate to the United States legally through the process. I've had a lot of people say, Tim, you're wrong. That's bad. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not saying you just open the doors. and everyone. I'm saying everyone should have the opportunity to apply. And then based on what makes sense for proper household management, we allow people visas. That's it. That means that if our economy is in trouble, we slow down on the visas, and if our economy is flourishing and there's a massive demand for jobs, but there's a, nobody's working, then we can find more people to fill these jobs. And you know, it's, it's all about proper management. There may be circumstances where we say, okay, we can't support any more people. And there can be circumstances where we say, come on in, doors open. Proper management means people from other countries, I'm talking about proper legal, who are driven, will come here and we'll reap the rewards of, of, of their hard work and dedication. I think that's fantastic. You look at Nigerian immigrants, for instance, they they end up tremendously successful. These people say, I'm going to come to America and I'm going to make it work. And they do. It's absolutely amazing. The bigger question, though, is whether or not this will be used to get rid of anything perceived as being racist, because, of course, the left is also changing those definitions. Which brings me now to that tweet from Jack Posobiec. You see how they're identifying ideologies they don't like. The 10 stages of genocide. Well, let me bring up what Mike Cernovich said about this. He says, we are here and he's showing us just before seven on the 10 steps of stages of genocide. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mike Cernovich says, you we are here. Seven, preparation. Preparation is, de- is, is defined as official action to remove and relocate people. Well, how can that be? You think we're really at the point where they're going to start taking people and relocating them? Well, Cernovich points out a few things. One, he says six is polarization. The government broadcasts propaganda to turn the populace against the group. And that's Pelosi's hearings, bans on alternative voices. It's exactly what we're seeing with PayPal and Facebook and the ADL. He mentions you have the formation of police. The government creates specific groups to police and uh, to enforce the policies. That's right. The Capitol police are expanding nationwide. You also have the, the, the uh, dehumanization from four, maggots. That's right. The left refers to Trump supporters or anyone outside the establishment as maggots, M-A-G-A-T-S, like MAGA-T-S, associating MAGA with being a fly larva of some sort. That's four, five, and six. Yikes. Sounds to me like we may be just before Seven. But I don't know how long it takes for seven to come about, and that's where they start officially removing and relocating people. But I can tell you this, with the January 6th commission, with what's happening on Facebook, what's happening with PayPal, yes, the maggots, they're going to go after them. Officially remove and relocate? I don't know. Look, we, we don't live in, in, in 100 years ago. There's different ways to deal with things, and certainly some people have learned from the past, not enough in my opinion. But the establishment elites have certainly learned that the easiest way to remove and relocate people isn't to lock them up in cages or send them off to camps or anything like that. It's to take away their ability to spend money, to isolate them instead of, uh, um, you know what? I was going to give a farm analogy. Some farmers might understand this, but uh, I'm not going to do that. Instead of taking a scissors and snipping the branch, what they'll do is, They'll tie the branch off as tight as possible and then walk away. And then the branch can't get any support or nutrients and slowly just withers and then falls off and is no longer a part of your beautiful bush. So what do we really have? I don't think it's going to be the same as it was in the past if we do see any kind of extreme, like uh, 10 stages of genocide. No, what I think is true is people are being dehumanized. Absolutely. There is an organization of capital Police to go after the, the maggots, as the left calls them, and the government is putting out propaganda nonstop. Joe Biden said the Republican agenda is the greatest threat since the Civil War. That is horrifying that he said that. The next move is going to be to start removing people. But what does that mean? I don't think it's the same as we saw 100 years ago. I think it's going to be excising from society. You won't be able to participate. You won't be able to work. You won't be able to buy things. And then slowly, you and your ideas will cease to exist. A pruning, as it were. But I do have this. This is from the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust, the 10 stages of genocide. And to be fair, I think when you actually get into the, 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 more, the greater context of what this list is, I can tell you this. We are nowhere near anything on this list I don't think we're anywhere near this. I do think there's a potential for balkanization or some kind of civil conflict, civil war, whatever you want to call it, certainly won't look like something from 150 years ago. But to say that we're near in any way genocide, I think is wrong. Okay, so with respect to those who have presented their their criticisms or their personal opinions, according to the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust, classification stage one is the differences between people are not respected. There's a division of us and them which can be carried out using stereotypes or excluding people who are perceived to be different. That is true and happening. Maggots, MAGA, all that stuff. Two, symbolization. This is a visual manifestation of hatred. Jews in Nazi Europe were forced to wear yellow stars to show that they were different. No one's being forced to wear MAGA hats. However, there is a push from the left about vaccinations. Still, even if we were uh, talking about vaccinations, we're not at two. We're close to two. When it comes to one, yeah, there's the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. There's anti-vaxxers and vax fanatics or whatever people want to call them. But we're not even at forced symbolization. Discrimination. The dominant group denies civil rights or even citizenship to identified groups. This is where we could get, I would say, in a certain respect with the Trump versus like, not the Trump, but the populist right versus the establishment. We have a little bit of this, but For the most part, some civil rights are being denied to people like from the January 6th riots. That's true. But this is still extremely isolated. So is there discrimination? Yes. Symbolization? Not so much. They're not forcing people. So there's a little bit there, but it's not particularly strong. Although what's happening to the people, the defendants from January 6th, I think is horribly wrong the way they're being treated. By all means, they should be punished and charged for their crimes. But the things we're hearing are horrifying. It doesn't amount to every Trump supporter or 75 million people, though there is an association between the people on January 6th and Trump supporters. So discrimination does exist, but it is limited. At the very least, I can say one has absolutely happened. Two, not so much. No one's being forced to, to manifest this. But civilization does exist in what people are choosing to wear, either a pink hat or a red hat. Discrimination is, is starting to happen right now. Dehumanization, they say those perceived as different are are treated with no form of human rights or personal dignity. Now you can see January 6. Again, a little bit of this, absolutely. They're calling people maggots. They're putting them in solitary confinement. This will spread to anyone who opposes it. So, these are not fully you know, like fully formed, mind you. They say five, organization. Regimes often train those who go on to carry out the destruction of people, capital police. Six, polarization propaganda begins to spread by hate groups. So we have, I guess, look, during, what you need to understand about Nazi Germany is that the organizations that were spreading these things were official, publicly recognized organizations of, uh, of to the Nazis' prestige. Like They looked at these organizations and didn't view them with the, with, the, uh, the, like, with, with the disdain we would, right? So when we hear about these hate groups in Germany, we say they're hate groups, they're awful. In the United States, there are formal groups that are pushing these narratives. They say preparations. Perpetrators plan the genocide. I don't think. I don't think anybody's talking about solutions or genocides or anything like that. Though there are people laughing and calling for Darwinism, persecution. There's nothing being. No one's, People aren't being snatched off the street for wearing MAGA hats. Right? We're not there. Nine, obviously not, and ten, obviously not. When you look at the simplified version from this graphic, it certainly seems like things are worse than they really are. When you look at the 10 stages, you can find some elements of them have been manifest, but for the most part, we are very far away. Now, don't think it can't happen here. It can. I don't know uh, when or how or what to expect or anything like that. I don't know. But I can tell you, I look at this and I'm like, I certainly see the elements of the fissure forming, which could lead to something like a genocide. I'm not entirely convinced. Now there is there, there's several different fields here. You've got vaxxed and unvaxxed, the others. You've got the maggots and you know the left, but you also you 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 also have. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of just different us versus them, and it's not limited to just political. There's religious elements, there's ideological, ideological elements, and then of course you have critical race theories, racial elements. You're a white supremacist or you're not. All of these are fledgling. And I think the internet is driving us insane. It doesn't mean we're anywhere near an actual extermination taking place. But who's to say it can't happen quickly? Who's to say these can't, with the seeds being planted and some elements existing, flourish and become full on within a matter of months? I think next year is going to get crazy with the midterms. Really crazy. I think 2023 with the primaries will be absolutely insane. And I hope you are ready for, I don't know what's to come. But why would things slow down? I just don't see why they would. It's a roller coaster, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.